0: Let's get back to 2 Timothy, chapter 2, where last week we introduced a new series that we're calling Vessels. Everybody say Vessels. In which we're taking a look at how we as believers are to be vessels that are used for and carry the glory of God. So I want to re-enter our base passage of text that I told you we were going to use over the next few weeks together for this week's assignment. 2 Timothy, chapter 2. Starting in verse 19, God's word says, But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, Useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Now, for tonight, I want us to more centrally focus on verse 21. So let's go back and reread that specific verse once more. He says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, Ready for every good work. Did you ever have a favorite cup when you were a kid? Anybody have a favorite cup when they were a kid? I didn't think I'd be the only weird one that was like that. I remember as a kid, I had a Batman cup. That was my favorite cup. That was my go-to cup. Now, you have to understand, like, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with Batman. Like, the animated series, I mean, I lived to watch Batman every afternoon when I got home from school. And I was the kid that was, like, so obsessed. Like, I thought I was Batman. So we had like the throw covers in the house, you know, that stayed on the back of the couch. And I would constantly grab one of those and tie it around my neck like a cape, run around the house, jumping off the furniture, running through chasing bad guys because I was Batman. So I was obsessed with Batman, so I had this Batman cup, and that was my go-to. That was my favorite cup. I used that cup relentlessly. So I want us to, for the next few moments, take a look at the subject of God's go-to cup. God's go-to cup. In case you've never been made aware, or if you have but have maybe forgotten this, in Christ, don't. Miss, I know we're early on in the message, but tune in because I don't want you to miss this part, and this has really nothing else to do with the message. I just need you to hear it. In Christ, God considers you to be his masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, or it can be translated his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. In the eyes of God, you are a handcrafted, formed, and sculpted vessel, pieced together by the work of his hands, which he desires to use and set on display to the world for his glory. What a magnificent thing it is to be known by God and to be called by him. But you know, in that, we hold some small responsibility in the matter, in the fact that we must choose to be used. Each and every one of us as born-again believers must choose to be used, to make ourselves available to God for whatever it is he desires to do in and through our lives. And my desire, and I'm praying this over each and every one of you guys as well, is that we would be a vessel that when God seeks to use someone For a task he knows that he can reach for each and every one of us. That we can all be his go-to cup, so to speak. For when he has a task that he desires to use somebody for. Now, I'm not saying that God plays favorites or anything like that. And this isn't about us trying to be God's teacher's pet or try to earn his favoritism or anything like that. But it's rather about developing the desire within each and every one of us. Ask his servants to be vessels for his use This, like many other truths in Scripture that detail our calling in Christ, is what I like to call general specific. We're all in general to be vessels for God's glory. But we're all in specific to be vessels for God's glory. As well, Paul says in verse 21, the verse that we just read, he will be a vessel for honorable use. So it's implied all throughout Scripture that we as a whole, we as the church, we as a group of people are to be vessels for God's glory, but we as individuals as well are to be vessels for God's glory, for it to be on display in and through our lives. We can each, every single one of us, align ourselves to be in position to be vessels as God's go-to cup. And that's what I'm going to help show you tonight, hopefully. And so we're going to walk through some characteristics because the go-to cup has some special characteristics. So turn to someone around you and tell them you're special. Now, everybody in this room tonight has been told by somebody other than their mom that they're special. The go-to cup has some special characteristics. The first characteristic of the go-to cup is that it sticks out on the shelf. The go-to cup sticks out... On the shelf, as Paul speaks to the point that we as believers ought to be vessels, he gives some descriptives. The first of which is this. So if you go back and look in the kind of the second half of verse 21, where we're based out of tonight, he says, if you will cleanse yourself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy. The go-to cup sticks out on the shelf. My Batman cup, it always stuck out to me on the shelf. Because that was my go-to cup. It was my favorite cup. So it didn't matter. If I opened up the cabinet and there were 37 other cups in there, I could instantaneously pick out which one was my Batman cup. Because it was my go-to. My favorite one out of every single one. I could easily pick it out every single time. So watch this. This is how the gospel of Jesus and his salvation works in our lives. So before Jesus, every single one of us were just mixed in with the rest of the world. Going along about our business, doing our thing. Paul says in Ephesians, we were just like the rest of mankind, children of wrath. Going about following our own passions, following our own desires, underneath the control of the prince, the power of the world. So just like everybody else around us, we were just kind of blended in with the mix. And then by the grace of God, somebody along the way shared the gospel with you. You heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And you heard about how every single one of us, have fallen short of His glory and were sinners in need of a Savior that are incapable of doing anything to reconcile the relationship that we broke and the fellowship that we broke with God Almighty. But Jesus in His love and His grace and His mercy died on the cross. He shed His precious blood so that whoever would call upon His name would be saved. Somebody shared with you that good news. And when you heard that, you made the choice to surrender your life to Jesus and his salvation came flooding into your life. And at that very moment, you became set apart from the world around you. And became holy like him. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. Check it out. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former Ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. When you gave your life to Jesus, he set you apart. You're no longer a part of the group anymore. You're no longer conformed to this image. You are conformed to the image of Christ. Now, as his vessel, you're different. Listen, as his vessel, you're different. The way that we as a people of God act is different. The way that we as a people of God talk is different. The way that we as a people of God think is different. The way that you date is different. The people that you are around are different. The places that you choose to go or not go is different than the world around you. Why? Because you have been set apart. You live a different life. That's what it means to be set apart. To be set apart means that there is a distinguishable difference in your life than the rest of those living around you in the world that don't have a relationship with Jesus. And all of this happens. All of this takes place and is possible because who we have now been filled with. Remember, a vessel is a carrier of something. So we as vessels are now filled with and carrying the Holy Spirit of God. So now for the sake of the gospel, we're set apart from the world. But listen, we're not separated from the world. As vessels, we are set apart from the world, but we are not separated from the world. So in Christ, we go back into the crowd. But this time it's different. This time we're filled with the Holy Spirit. So now that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm filled with the beauty of God's grace. I'm filled with the beauty of God's love. I'm filled with the beauty of God's forgiveness. I'm filled with the beauty of God's hope. I'm filled with the beauty of God's peace. I'm filled with the beauty of God's presence in my life. And so now as a believer, I go back into the crowd with the sake of the gospel, but I'm set apart. I look different. I stand out. Why? Because of Jesus. So even though I might be in the crowd and still set apart, my life still looks different. I'm a vessel that carries the Holy Spirit of God. And even though we may be surrounded by numerous other vessels, we stick out on the shelf. And I think we all need to be reminded of the truth as well as challenged with the reality that we are to be set apart holy vessels. I love Transformers. Anytime one of those movies is on TV, I I like have to watch it. And it drives my wife crazy because we've probably seen the Transformer movies like 75 times a piece because I watch it every time it comes on TV. It's just one of those things that if it's on, I'm going to be watching it, but you know, like, transfer, the whole essence behind Transformers is that they are aliens living among us, hidden in plain sight. Do you know I feel like so many Christians are living in that same manner? Living as aliens in the world, like the Bible tells us we're to be, but hiding in plain sight. Not living set apart, but settled in. God has called us to a holy manner of living. And listen, that figuratively speaking, God shouldn't have to look down and scratch his head and say, Where are my vessels at? But I feel like a lot of us have lost the imperative to live set apart. And I can't imagine how it breaks the heart of the Father as he looks down and he's like, Is there anyone? Is there anybody, do I not have a people on the earth that are called by my name and sealed by my spirit that will stand out and be set apart in the world around them that I can take up as a vessel, as an instrument of righteousness in my hand to build my kingdom? Is there nobody? Life, listen to me, a life lived in a holy manner for the glory of Jesus is a beautiful thing. But the funny thing about beauty that I've learned to be true throughout life is that people either admire beauty or they hate beauty. But listen to me, in either case, they're drawn to beauty. Beauty. Jesus said, you'll live set apart, and because of that, people will see the beauty of it, and they'll be drawn to it. Jesus also said, you're going to live set apart, and because of that, people will hate you for it. But either way, guess what they saw in the process? That Jesus inside of you. The reality that you live different than everybody else around him. Let's get back to being vessels that stick out on the shelf. Next characteristic, the go-to cup can be used however it's needed. So the go-to cup sticks out on the shelf, but it can also be used however it is needed. So if you go back and look in verse 21, Paul talks about the honorable vessel. He says it's set apart as holy, but it's also useful to the master of the house. So the next descriptive that Paul uses pertaining to vessels is that of being useful to its master. Now, I've got to go back to my Batman cup again just for a second. That was my go-to cup not to just have something to drink out of, but I used it for everything. Like, I, you might find me sitting on the couch having a sip of juice out of it. Then later on, you might find me at my desk with my markers and my color pencils and my crayons stuck in it and using it as a holder for my coloring utensils. You might find me a little bit later on in the day running around the house with a cup full of cereal in it. <laughs> multiple use. Multiple functionality. You might find me later on on the stairs that went down to our basement, having it set up somewhere, doing like ping pong trick shots, trying to get it into my Batman cup, multiple use, multiple functionality. That's my go-to for any number of reasons. As vessels for the Lord, we should offer ourselves to be used however or in whatever capacity God desires to use us in. Now, I've got some things I really want to try and teach you tonight, because if I could have grasped this when I was your age, I would have appreciated it And inserted it into my life a whole lot sooner. So hang with me because I really want to help you see some things right here. I think one of the greatest handicaps that we cause for ourselves and in God's use of our lives is by thinking that the context of our calling has to be found within one specific thing. And so we search and we pursue after finding what God's calling is for my life. What specific path does he have for me to go down, trying our best to settle on one specific thing? And is that not exactly where you're at right now? Is that not exactly what everybody tells you to do? As soon as you enter into this season of your life, you've got to find a what? Specific degree or career path to pursue. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. So you may be working through these things and say, well, maybe God's calling me to be a teacher. Maybe he's calling me to be a nurse. Maybe he's calling me to be a coach. Maybe he's calling me to be a missionary. Maybe he's calling me to be a welder or a counselor or a professor or a stylist or any number of things. Listen, all that's good and well. That's fine. Pursue after what you feel like is the path God is leading you down. I'm not trying to diss that in any way whatsoever say that you're wrong. For doing that, but so often in the process of that, we fall into this trap of thinking that that's the one thing. That whenever I feel like God has settled my heart on something specific, that's my one use here on this earth. That's the only thing that I can be. This is God's one specific, narrowed down, end all be all will and course for my life without ever considering that it could possibly change at any given moment. This is something that the Lord's been teaching and showing me in a fresh way. Because I used to think on those same lines. I used to have such a narrowed focus just like that as well. I think, okay, I'm bound and determined to find out what it is that God's calling me to do or who He's calling me to be. What specific path, what specific course does He have laid out for my life and I thought that when he led me into this that into what I do now that that was it When I felt like God's specific calling upon my life was to be a pastor and to serve within the context of his church I kind of took a sigh of relief and I thought Oh, I'm glad that's over I'm glad I finally got it nailed down. I'm glad I finally got it figured out This is what God wants me to do for the entirety of my life I never have to worry about trying to figure that out again, but I'm telling you guys He's been showing me some stuff lately, and it kind of makes me uneasy in some ways. Because I'm finding that to not necessarily be the case, to not exactly be true. Because look, look, when Jesus called his disciples, and this is where it just follow me, he said, follow me and I will teach you to fish for men. But then he taught them and he used them to do that in different kinds of contexts. It wasn't just one specific area. It wasn't just one specific craft. It wasn't just one specific career path. Sometimes Jesus took them and he did that within the context of being fishermen and being around that crowd. Other times he would take them into another context and he would teach them how to fish for by using their trades, by working in the construction business, by being tent makers, by being carpenters, by helping out and rubbing shoulders with the blue collar people. Sometimes Jesus would take them and he would use them within the context of being waiters at tables. Hey Jesus, all these people are hungry. I, you feed them. Different context, different callings, different areas, different ways in which He was teaching. Sometimes He would use them in the context of giving pedicures, foot washing. It wasn't one specific thing. Jesus didn't call His disciples and say, "Okay, Peter, I want you at this church. John, I want you at this church." Matthew, I want you at this church, and you're gonna be the children's person, and you're gonna be the youth person, and you're gonna be the young adult person. And Paul, come over here, I got something for you. You're gonna be my lead church planner and strategist, and that's all you're ever gonna do. You're not gonna do you're gonna do that only within that context. Jesus didn't operate like that. He didn't work like that with his disciples. Listen, our Lord seeks to use those who are willing to be used. Watch, however, they can be used. First Corinthians chapter 9 verses 19 through 23 it's a big passage paul is writing and he says this for though i'm free from all i've made myself a servant to all that i might win more of them to the jews i became as a jew in order to win jews to those under the law i became as one under the law though not being myself under the law that i might win those under the law to those outside the law i became as one outside the law not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. And I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. Listen, Jesus has the right to do whatever it is he desires with those who are his vessels. The reality is, Things may change, courses may change, Pasts may change, callings may change. I expect to do this until the day that I die. But the reality is, if Jesus shows up one day and knocks on my heart and says, "Stray, I want you to leave this place and I want you to go be a missionary in the jungles of China, guess where I'm going? The reality is Jesus may show up one day and say, hey, why don't you go back to that plant that you left? I need you to go back and work in that third shift, that 11 to 7. I need you to stand at the end of that production line once again. Trust me, I wouldn't want to do that. Nothing about me would want to go back into that. But Jesus has the right over my life as one of his vessels to command me to go and do whatever it is he desires for me to go and do. And as an obedient vessel, it is my job to simply do that thing. So by all means, guys. Pursue what you feel like He's leading you down right now. But once He settles your heart for a moment on that thing, don't close off to the reality that He might change it down the road. Vessels, go to cups. They can be used however they're needed. Jesus has the right to do that within our lives. As a vessel, be one that welcomes being used however it's needed. One more characteristic. The go to cup is always ready for the job. If you go back and look at verse 21, again, Paul says, This vessel for honorable use will be set apart as holy. It'll be useful to the master, and it'll be ready for every good work. Keep in mind that Paul is writing this to Timothy, who at this time is a young pastor. He's really just getting started with his ministry. He's new to the job. He's learning a lot of things. And Paul's telling him to depart from sinfulness, to flee from those things, keep your heart clean, run from everything that doesn't honor God, and to be a honorable, useful vessel for Jesus and stay ready for every good work. So how do we know what good work is? Such a fantastic question. Listen, good work is not so much about the kind of work. That is done, but how the work is done. Good work is not so much about the kind of work that is done, but how the work is done. So watch. Good work is always gospel motivated and glory fixated. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 20. For Paul says, I do not account my life of any value nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, the same man writes, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So the good work that we as believers, as vessels, involve ourselves in is sharing the gospel for the glorification of God. So watch, if I'm a teacher, I'm gospel motivated and I'm God's glory filled Fixated within that context. If I'm a nurse, I'm gospel motivated and I'm God's glory fixated. Within that context, if I'm a coach, I am gospel-motivated and God's glory fixated. If I'm an electrician, I'm gospel-motivated, God's glory fixated. If I'm a salesman, gospel-motivated, God's glory fixated. If I'm a student walking around the halls of my campus, I'm gospel-motivated and God's glory fixated. If I'm a ditch digger, I'm gospel-motivated. And God's glory fixated, always ready as a vessel to serve, to encourage, to love, to sacrifice, to give, to go. I remember when I was working night shift at the wire plant that I referenced earlier. I worked off my shift one morning, and me and Ashley jumped in the car to head to the beach. And it was actually on our way with our students here at the church for their summer camp. And I was tired, but, you know, it wasn't anything awful. And I'm one of those people that have to drive. Does anybody like that? Like, you have a serious problem with riding with anybody else. I'm that guy. I cannot stand to ride with anybody. I've got to be the one that drives. So I climbed in the car, and Ashley was more than ready and willing to drive, but I had to be the one to do it. And so, like I said, I'd worked all night long. I was tired, but I wasn't, like, overly tired. And we sit down and we take off and everything's fine. You know, we're cruising right along, no big deal. But there's something about driving, right, that just makes you sleepy. Can anybody relate? I mean, it's like the mundane, just monotonous, nothing's changing. And we had gotten through town, you know, so we're like on the highway now. And it's literally just a straight shot, dead as an arrow. And I mean, there's nothing going on. It's early in the morning. There's not a whole lot of traffic. So we're just cruising right along and we're good. And, you know, it is amazing. Like there's something about that driving sleep that your eyes like touch the back of your brain where you're just like and you're trying to fight it off as hard as you can. And that's what I was doing. I actually sitting in the passenger seat. She has no idea anything. So she thinks everything's fine. But I'm struggling in the driver's seat. And I'm talking like it is awful. Can't hold my eyes open. They're falling back in my head. I've never in my life fallen asleep at the wheel, ever. So we're cruising right along and We hit this one particular stretch, and it's real straight. And this was back before they put like the, you know, the the grooves on the shoulder. It's like the moment you hit one, it's like whoa! (laughs) Those things didn't exist back then. And so, we're good, and everything's fine. I think it's fine, and I didn't know it, but I was out, and had held it pretty good, apparently, for a pretty good stretch, (laughs) and then had started to drift over. Well, I don't know if Ashley wasn't paying attention because she didn't wake me up or anything. But by the time my eyes rolled back down into a correct functioning vision level and I open them up, we're like straight at the guardrail next to a bridge that's like over on this ravine. And so I wake up and I'm like, work! <laughs> and she's like, you good? I'm like, No. Nope, not good. In that moment, I realized this is a bad situation. I am asleep at the wheel. I can't fight this off any longer. We had to pull over like on the shoulder because I wasn't about to go another 25 feet. And I had to let her drive the rest of the way while I passed out in the back seat and slept for like eight hours. You know, this may not be for everybody, but I know it's for somebody. My encouragement to you is as a believer, you've got to wake up. Some of us need to admit the reality that we've fallen asleep at the wheel. And listen, because of that, you're missing opportunity after opportunity for God to use you. All throughout Scripture, all throughout Scripture, we're given the command and the encouragement to be awake and to be watchful. 1 Peter five eight says, be sober-minded and be watchful. 1 Corinthians 16.13 says, be watchful and be Stand firm in the faith. Colossians 4.2 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Luke 21.36, Stay awake at all times. 1 Thessalonians 5.6, So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Wake up. Men and women of God, if you're asleep at the wheel, wake up. and Stop missing out on the opportunities that God is putting in front of you. Be used as a vessel for his glory. <laughs> as we finish up tonight, our lab, we have a lab at the house. His name's Roman, and he's an idiot. God love him. He's the nicest dog ever, like sweet as can be, but he's a moron, and he, he's our moron, and <laughs> we love him fiercely. But he, listen, the, the dog is always on go always, always on ready. I can walk out on the deck and he'll run down the steps and just run like laps around the backyard for no reason, just because I'm out there. And I'll go down in the backyard and I'll be standing there with him. I don't even have to have anything in my hand. All I have to do is act like I'm lifting my arm and he'll do, the, you know how dogs are when they think you're about to play with them. Like as, as soon as I pick my arm up, he's like, I don't have anything in my hand. But as soon as I start to pick my hand up, he knows what that motion means. The moment I lift it, he crashes down. And everything, every muscle in his body is tensed up and he is ready to bolt out of there like a bullet out of a gun to go after whatever it is I'm about to throw. Listen, my prayer is that God would in this place find vessels that are sitting on ready, tense and prepared to bolt at whatever opportunity he's about to pick up and hand to us. The go-to cup is always ready for the job. I want this place to be full of go-to cups for God, that at any moment he can reach down and grab you, or you, or you, or you, you or you or you for whatever good work that he has planned out for his glory be a vessel hey this is trey mitchell college and young adult pastor i just wanted to say thank you for listening it's our prayer that god uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for his glory if you've never placed your faith in jesus as your savior we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through His Word here your life.